Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I had the chance to meet with Steve Cunningham this week. Steve is a devoted Christ follower and entrepreneur who is passionate about leadership development. Steve is the CEO and founder of Read It For Me and has developed the GLN Skill Academy in collaboration with the Global Leadership Network, as well as other projects for growth, both as leaders and disciples. Now, you will definitely want to listen until the end, as Steve does something for our listeners that I did not expect, and I'm sure you will really appreciate. Steve and I discuss the Great Commission. Interestingly, we focus in on the second half of Jesus' command, and we talk about the difference between legalism and intentionality when it comes to spiritual growth. Steve shares insights that he has learned from some of the top leaders in the corporate world, including some commonly held myths and how they relate to anyone seeking to grow personally. It's a great conversation, and I invite you now to join me in that conversation with Steve Cunningham. Steve, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, Steve, I am really looking forward to our conversation uh, because we're going to be sharing your story as sort of a, a launching point uh, for a larger discussion around how pastors can better help the laity, the, the, the men and the women in their churches, use their skills, experiences, their expertise uh, to, to really serve the kingdom. But before we jump into your story, I want to get your thoughts um, on something that has received a lot of attention over the past decade or so, maybe even a little longer. Uh, many have expressed that the church, kind of generally speaking, has not done a, a super great job at helping people in the church. You know, that's professionals, business owners, consultants, entrepreneurs, educators, whomever it might be, people that are in the church use their expertise and their experience and their skills um, and their gifts to really serve the kingdom. So Steve, just to kind of start off, and, and not that you're speaking for every Christ follower, you know, in the, in the world, or speaking on behalf of every church in the world, but just, just from your own experiences, do you, um, do you agree or disagree that churches might struggle some with helping their people really translate their workplace skills and abilities into kingdom impact? Yeah, I think saying, like you said, I think the important to point out that this is a focus group of one, and this <laughs> is just my experience with the the limited interactions that I've had with the the churches that I've been involved with. Um, I'm a Catholic, and um, I grew up Catholic, uh, so my experience has been in the Catholic church, and I think that's a that's a very fair statement. I I can't actually remember one time being asked to use any of my skills or abilities to serve in any capacity in, in the Catholic church. So I think in terms of my experience, uh, it's not, for me, it's almost uh, like a weird question that you're asking. I, I didn't know that that was um, something that the church should be doing. And so, uh, but I, you know, I think you know, where you would be going next with this is, you know, I, I think that would be something that I would welcome um, if I was asked. Right, right. And, and the, the, the thought behind that and the idea is that as, you know, we make up a local church, um, we're bringing all types of different experiences with us. And, and so sometimes, you know, within the church, 
sometimes there can be this sort of compartmentalization. And sometimes that compartmentalization happens with us as, as, as pastors and ministry leaders, you know, where we're really kind of separating someone's workplace experiences from their kind of church experience. And, um, and I just I love your story as I've gotten to know you, Steve, and, and to hear how you have, have kind of taken, and, and we're going to get into this here in a bit, taken just the, the, the gifts and the skills and experiences that God has blessed you with over the years as, as an entrepreneur um, and have been able to take those and really help serve uh, the greater good in, in a variety of ways. And so, uh, Steve, let's, let's go ahead and jump into your, your story just a little bit. Can you share a bit about your kind of your, your church experience, like you said, growing up and then what, what has happened over the last handful of years in your life? So I grew up, like I said, in a Catholic church. I had a typical Catholic church upbringing. I was an altar boy. Um, you know, our family went to church uh, every Sunday. Um, but I think much like many Catholics and probably many Christians around the world, it was you do your thing on Sunday and you know, the rest of the week rolled around. And um, there wasn't much else done throughout the week to nurture my faith and uh, kind of make it an everyday part of my life. So, um, but I grew up in the church. Um, I kind of, like, like a lot of people do during my college years, kind of drifted away uh, from the church, uh, was in and out of it uh, through my twenties. And over the last few years, and I, I don't even have an explanation for this, although I've thought long and hard of it, I just felt a call to get back into my faith at a much deeper level. I started to go to mass on a regular basis and you know, multiple times a week, and I just felt called to dive into the scriptures. And um, around that time, I actually I was living in Toronto, Ontario, actually a, a town just outside of it called Oakville, but nobody knows where that is, so I just tell people mm -hmm. I'm from Toronto. And um, I made a connection here in San Antonio, where I am right now, with a gentleman by the name of Graham Weston. And that was the reason I actually picked up the, my family and my business. I moved here. Uh, but around the same time, I actually made a connection with a gentleman in San Antonio by the name of Mike Shero, who is the CEO of the C12 Group, which is essentially a peer advisory group for Christian business leaders. Mm -hmm. And it was a random connection from somebody else who was a, a reader for me customer. That's my business who was in Dallas. And so um, I got connected with Mike and we were talking about providing our services to C12 uh, for their, their CEOs. And as he was telling me about C12 and the idea is basically Christian business leaders get together once a month. Uh, there's a full day program. We help each other work through business issues and there's a strong uh, integrate, you know, that the idea behind it is to, to integrate your faith into your work. And so there's a lot of encouragement around that. And so um, when I heard him describe it, I was like, yeah, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I like that we're talking about a partnership, but I would really like to become a member because uh, I need this in my life. And I was just, you know, a right place at the right time. Uh, I'm sure it's a it's a God story. And so that helped me for the very first time surround myself with other uh, Christian business leaders. I'm, I, I don't know if you know, but Canada is a, a much more reserved society. It's a much more secular society. So I, I did not have any 
friends that were, I, I grew up in Catholic church and in school. Uh, some of my friends were Catholic when they were younger, but none of them had carried their faith into their, their adult years. So I, I spent um, most of my adult life not having much interaction in my friend group and my business group network with other Christians or you know, seeing faithful Christians. And so uh, for me, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience is me sitting around a table every month with a bunch of Christian business leaders. And one day <clears throat> I was talking through my business and the, the thought just dawned on me. So we do uh, business book summaries. So we take a best-selling business book and we pare it down to about 12 minutes and then create some animated video and audio and, and text. And so our original business audience for this was, you know, uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, and in, in general, business leaders, that's what we were targeting it towards. And what I learned over time is that actually there's a lot of pastors in our uh, customer base. And so that was very surprising to me because I had very little exposure to anything outside of the Catholic church in terms of um, what other churches were like. And so it, it, it would never dawn on me and, and still wouldn't dawn on me that a priest would be a good customer for for Rita for me, but as I got to know the the pastors who were our customers, it made a lot of sense to me. And so, as I had many interactions with them, and they uh, were very growth minded people, very interested in leadership and how they're shepherding their communities. And so, I, I really got a real deep appreciation for what they were trying to do. So, through those conversations, it dawned on me that maybe we should do something like this for. Christian books. If the same problem exists for business and personal development books, which is you got a stack of them sitting on your desk, you mm -hmm. can't find the time for it. Probably has that same, you know, the same problem when it comes to Christian books. And so um, we've started down that path, um, and you know, it's just kind of step after step has led me deeper and deeper into my faith. And um, and I'll, and I'll finish off with the, the last thing that we've been doing lately and like maybe um, see where you want to dive in. But the, and, and for the first time I got down, I got down to San Antonio, spending a lot of time around them, uh, these Christian business owners who were very, um, very much, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know the right way to say this. Uh, I, I had never picked up the Bible and read it from, from front to back in my life and it, it nobody told me i should do it it was it so it just never dawned on me like that would be something that i should do i and, and again focus group of one i'm sure there's lots of great catholic churches shepherding their people and telling them to dig into the scriptures um but i just happen not to be in, the, in those places and so i read through like i said from front to back and what yeah, obviously there's many, many things that, that struck me like a ton of bricks, but the one thing that uh, made me pause and uh, I would say change the course of my life was the Great Commission. And in particular, the second part of the Great Commission, which was teach them to obey all of my commands. And so for the very first time, I was reading about the fact that there was these commands and um, we are supposed to obey all of them, not the ones that we feel like we should focus on right now, not the ones that we like, but 
all of them, and that uh, we should not just learn them, but we need to teach other people how to obey them, which means that we need to know how to obey them ourselves. And so I, I took a deep dive into kind of, I, you know, whenever I come across an idea, I search for books because that's just my habit. And I was um, shocked to find out that there was only two books written specifically on that topic by what I would consider to be, you know, mainstream publishers. And one of the books was uh, by John Piper. And one of the books was by uh, Tom Blackaby. And um, so that has kind of led me into this idea of how, how do we, and how do I, and, and most uh, importantly, learn how to go through that process of understanding what those commands are and living them out in my life. And that's led to a lot of interesting conversations with um, some folks who have some views about whether or not that might be a tad too legalistic. But um, it, it's been a transformational journey for me to see that there is this life that we're invited into. And it's not, uh, you need to do this because I told you to, it's you need to do this because this is the way that uh, I've designed you to live your life. And so um, that that is kind of been from, you know, growing up in the Catholic church to now has been my, been my journey. And, you know, would love to dive in anywhere you want. Yeah, yeah. And Steve, I, I love the, uh, uh, you know, sharing your story and your journey. I love how we can just see as you said, that, um, you know, it's kind of right place, right time, perhaps, but you see kind of God's fingerprints all over, you know, as, as God is leading and guiding us and, and opening our eyes and revealing more and more to us and putting people into our lives, which I think is a, a, just a, a cool part of your story. I think we can all attest to that, that there have been different people that God's just brought into our lives and um, uh, to, to journey with us and in just how our eyes have been open to different things. And then, as you say, digging into scripture, right. For you reading the Bible front to back for the first time and just your eyes being open more and more. And I've got to say, Steve, that um, I've talked to lots of people about uh, the great commandment or the great commission rather. And um, you're probably the first that um, I've, I've ever talked to that uh, most people focus on the go, you know, go and make disciples. And you're probably the first that says, hey, man, that's actually the second part. That's what really captured my mind and my heart and, and sent me kind of on a on a personal journey. And and now that's kind of impacted some things that you're doing. I'd like to to get into that a, a little bit more in a moment. But first, I'd like to back up to the, this whole idea of um, leadership development, because this obviously I mean, you've as as uh, an entrepreneur, you've built your business. Um read it for me, around this idea of leadership development. So can you talk to us um, a little bit about what you have learned about leadership development and how that connects to, you know, developing as a disciple? You know, where, where do those two things kind of come together? Yeah, I think they actually come together uh, quite well. And uh, one, of, one of the things I, I didn't mention from my story, and this would be a a good connection point was for, for some reason, when I came down to San Antonio, I had lunch with um, who became the chair of my C12 group, which is the person who leads the, the group. And as I was waiting for him to show up, I made the password on my, my phone and then the rest of the, my technology kit, um, James 1, 22 to 25. 
uh, be hearers, don't be hearers of the word, you know, be doers and not just hearers. And so um, what, what I've learned from working with leadership development programs around the world, um, it, it, it's been very interesting. So when we launched Read Affirm, we thought it was going to be a service for people who wanted to be successful someday. So younger younger people uh, striving to, to get where they want to go in their career. And what we found out um, was that the people who became our customers were people who were already very successful. So that was very surprising to us. And, and, and not everybody, of course, like, but what I'm saying is that our customer base skewed more towards that than the general population. And what, what I learned from them was, was very interesting. So I, I got to know a lot of our customers over a long period of time. Uh, some of them are people that like, you would see in Forbes magazine, uh, some of them you know, CEOs of brands that you would know. And for, for whatever reason, they're willing to take my phone calls and answer my emails. And talk to me about how they were using our service in the middle of their growth and development journey. And I, I learned kind of a, a few different, what I call learning myths. And as it relates to, to leadership development, I think learning and development overall, but the first one was that you know, leaders are readers. Like, I think that's a, that's a cliche that has, has been well-worn and it's one of those things that's kind of like a half truth. And um, yes, leaders are readers and they probably read more than the average person, but they don't read anywhere close to the amount that you might be led to believe. So, you know, you might see some things online about the average leader reads 52 books a year. And I've yet to meet one that where that is true. And so what, what I've learned the distinction between average leaders and exceptional leaders is that average leaders consume a lot of information and you know, I would put myself in that bucket for a very, very long time. And exceptional leaders, what they do is they're hunting for the best known way to solve a problem that's related to an important goal that they have. And so I'll explain it with, I'll try to visualize the chart in your head. So what I learned is that um, when I went back and looked at the usage patterns of the people that I was talking to, the average leaders would be consistent consumers over a period of time. And so they would have a chart that would be just a, you know, they have a consistent pattern of engaging in our service. And I, I used to think that, and then the exceptional leaders didn't. And I used to think that this was a bad thing. Uh, mm -hmm. They didn't like it. And what I found out was that there was, it was very, very a very spiky graph. <clears throat> so there would be long periods of nothing. And then there'd be like short bursts of like looking at a lot of stuff and then nothing and then a short burst. And what I learned what they were doing was they were actually, they would have a problem come up in their, in their business or in their personal life. And they would be hunting for ideas to help solve the problem. And that mindset actually changed the way they consumed the information because they would go looking for these ideas. And the, one of my business mentors, uh, I've already mentioned his name, is Graham Weston. And so I started to try to unpack specifically how he learned differently than most people. And if you know anything about successful people is that they don't think that what they're doing is anything different. They think everybody does it the way that they do it. Um, and so they have a hard time trying to articulate how they do things differently. And But he, one day he sent me an email and the subject line said, 
this is exactly what I do. And then there was an image attachment. There was no, there was nothing else in the body of the email. So I thought uh, somebody's hacked into his computer and is sending me uh, a virus that's going <laughs> to destroy my, destroy my life. So I, I don't know if I want to click on this, but, um, but when, uh, when a billionaire sends you an email saying, this is exactly what I do, you tend to, you know, bite the bullet and you, you open it. So I did. And it, it was a picture of a, he took a screenshot of an article he was reading and he said, it said, if you're reading to, for growth, read to get answers on specific questions. And then he had highlighted um, further down, once you get enough of an answer to act on, stop reading and start doing. So they would, would very rapidly hunt for an answer to their problem. And then so you know, if they found the answer on page two of a 300-page book, they put the book down and they go get an action. Whereas what I would do and what most people would do is, well, I got to finish reading this book and I got to master the concepts and the ideas. And so when it, when it comes to leadership development, or at least leaders that are in the places eventually where you want to be, they have a much larger bias for action than average people do. They actually don't spend a lot of time consuming information. What they do is spend the time hunting for ideas, going and trying them. And then if it works, that's what they consider the learning. And they keep what works, they get rid of what doesn't, and then just keep going through this loop. And we've kind of articulated into this um, this idea of uh, what we call the goal loop. And um, the acronym stands for goal. So I always start with what your goal is. The next one is obstacle. What obstacle are you trying to overcome? And the next one is action. What's your action plan for overcoming it? And then the learning is the last step, which is, well, what happened? And what went well, if it, whatever went well, you keep it and whatever doesn't get rid of it. And so um, that I think is the biggest distinction that I've found in leadership development. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to dive deeper into it, but um, it, it's all about doing. It's yeah. very much not about packing information in your head. And I, and I see that in the, the, I don't even know what, you, what we should call it, the Christian world, where it, it it seems like it's a lot about trying to pack information in people's heads and less about getting them to go do and live the life that uh, God and Jesus would have us live. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's that's very true that oftentimes, you know, if, if we think of, you know, within our churches, even how we, we structure things within our churches, oftentimes we are transferring a lot of lot of information to people and and we feel and sense that you know that if people are consuming as you said a lot of information that we hope that that would lead to transformation to action and yet um that's not always the case and so there are times that we can can pull back and think well if we're really trying to help people develop as disciples you know people who are um chasing after jesus in trying to make an impact in our world in a way that honors God, then how do we focus more on on that idea of transformation? You know, getting things into action. Uh, so, Steve, I mean, I think that's a fantastic. You know, learnings that you have had over the course of of your business. And so, I guess the question I have is, you know, what suggestions would you make to the the, the pastor or the priest of a, of a local church to help um, their people, uh, people just like you, to take their um, 
faith and to put it into action in tangible ways um, using their workplace experiences and their skills and their expertise. I think one of the things to point out is that most, even in the work world, almost everybody struggles with this same thing. So most people are not doing what I just described as exceptional people who are doing it. And so um, I think everybody could benefit from studying what exceptional people are doing and then just copying what they're doing. And they're, they're doing some version of like they're very clear in what they want to accomplish. So they got the, the goal, uh, which I didn't, which then creates the obstacles. And so you need to overcome them. And then the action plan, here's what I'm going to do about it. And then what did I learn and keep what I keep what work and get rid of what, what doesn't. So I think that is a, is a very good approach for uh, taking anything from a, a concept and then having it make a result in your life. And um, yeah, through my journey, I've I've kind of just been diving deeper and deeper. And you know, first I found Ravi Zacharias, and I listened to all of his um, stuff uh, that was online and in in podcast form. Um, and then uh, you know, a bunch of a bunch of those types of evangelists. And then I eventually landed on Dallas Willard. And I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Yes. Um, but he actually, he actually wrote a, a he wrote a, a few books that were popular. One of them was the, he called the great commit, the great omission. And his whole, his whole thing was, and this was after I had read, read the, the great commission and kind of latched on, like you said, to that last part and his whole, that whole book and many of his talks was just all about, um, taking, the commands of, of Christ, what he instructed us to do and just teaching people how to do them. And so I, I remember one of the, the talks he could, he said, you know, you could just uh, on a Tuesday night, put up a sign and say, we're going to host a six week series on um, how to be humble. And we're going to teach you how to do it. Um, but he, his point was, you know, it, it has not dawned on most people to do it that way. And what I, so I, I think um, my advice would be, and I'm trying to do this in, in my life and I've started some, some groups around this is just get clear on uh, what those commands actually are um, and then bring people through a process of them living those out or attempting to live those out. Because as we know, trying to live those out is, 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 uh, it's impossible. It's impossible to get them all right all of the time. No one has ever done it except for Jesus Christ. So it, the, and this is where we get into kind of those murky waters of a lot of the, the evangelical folks that I've been speaking to would shy away from that because it seems legalistic. Um, but what I, what I say in response to that, and this is the thought process that went through my head as I was reading it is okay. Well, this, the commission is for everybody. It's for all, all of us. Um, if I'm going to teach people to obey all of the commands, first I got to know what they are. Um, and then um, I have to uh, know how to teach people to obey them, which means I need to know how I obey them. So I can't teach people to obey something if I don't know how I obey them. And what I, what I found in dealing in trying to go through this process with, with some pastors and some other, some other leaders was that, when I ask them, well, what do you do around this command? Like, how do you, how do you make sure that your, 
you're humble or how do you make sure you love your neighbor? And what I would get back was kind of like a sermon. It was, here's, you know, here's these scripture verses and here's what they mean. And, you know, after they had gone through that, I'd say, no, I, I get that, but what do you do? And it was, it was like crickets. And what we learned was that it's very hard to articulate uh, something that you don't do. And what, I've learned this through the, the leadership development stuff that we do as well. So somebody who actively does something, so to use a, a, an example from the business world, somebody who is a very good negotiator can tell you exactly what they do when they negotiate They just because they do it. And so similarly, if we are living out the commands, we could tell you exactly how to do it. And so I've gone, I've been going through this process of just trying to get very clear on what that process looks like and really judging myself against the bar of what do I do to live that out? Not, not because of any legalistic desire, but out of the, just following the commands of our savior. So um, I I don't know if, I don't know if, you're tracking with any of that, but oh, yeah, my, suge- my suggestion would be, um, and you just get very practical about it. And, you know, perhaps the, you know, the folks in your congregation and the business leaders who do a good job of teaching people how to adopt new uh, ways of doing things would be a benefit in that process. And you might use, so you may have a lot of good disciplers in your congregation who do this kind of thing, but in the corporate world and would thus be good at doing that um, through through the church. Yeah, yeah, Stephen, I think that makes per- perfect sense. Um, and and the, the legalism concern is, is interesting. And, and I understand we, we do always need to make sure that we you know, aren't becoming Pharisees, right? That we're not just getting so tied up in the, the law or the command that we're missing out on that, what the relationship means. And, but I think it's fascinating in, in, in your experience, and you even uh, you know, alluded to this, you gave an example of this, because if, if we are going to grow as Christ followers, right? If, we, if we're going to be sincere in our lives about what does it mean for us to develop as a disciple and to grow as a disciple, to grow in Christ-likeness, then there must be some intentionality to it. You know, we can't just um, kind of hope that if, if we go to church every week, um, if, we, if we open our Bible on occasion, whatever it might be, we can't just hope that, you know, somehow it magically transforms us. And that's not to take away from the work of the spirit. Um, but it's to say that just as in, you know, what, whatever, you know, career that we might have, whatever that, that, that work looks like, um, if we're looking to grow in our expertise, whether we're an educator, if we're looking to, to be a better teacher, or if we're looking to be a better, um, you know, coder, or we're looking to be, you know, we're looking to improve in our, our vocation, then we're going to be intentional. I mean, most companies and corporations focus on and have opportunities for their people to grow. And, and that's one of the things that they help because they know if they help their people grow, it's going to have benefit to the organization as a whole. And so there's this, this intentionality behind that. And I think that sometimes when it comes to our, our life in Christ, 
um, sometimes we hope that it just organically sort of happens. And, and even as ministry leaders, we can be guilty of this by not um, providing some more intentional pathways for people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And, I, and I'm a huge Dallas Willard fan as well. Absolutely um, have loved um, you know, what his legacy is and, and uh, his writings and his lectures. And um, Dallas really understood you know, the, the idea of spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines and this intentionality behind it. So I think that some people might cry legalism because it's getting, you know, because they don't like the, I, they, they want to be more, I don't know, natural or organic. Um, but anything we do in our lives, you know, even parenting or, you know, a relationship with a spouse or, you know, learning to play the piano. I mean, you, you have to be intentional. So I think that's, that's an important thing that um, you're kind of touching upon. So talk to us a little bit more as, as we're kind of wrapping up. I'd love to hear a little bit more of how you have, are, are taking this idea of being intentional in your growth as a disciple. And I know you're, you're wrapping this around the commands, but how are, you, how are you helping people to do exactly what you're saying to not just soak up some information about you know, the commands that uh, Jesus has, has given us and that we're to obey, but for people to actually be living them out? How are you specifically doing that? Like if, if when you're reading through the gospels, Jesus was not wishy-washy about stuff. He didn't say, you know, uh, this prayer one time and, you know, organically it's going to happen. Right, right, um, right. Over and over and over again, he's saying, listen to my words, listen to my words and, and you need to do them. And if you, if you love me, you will follow my commands. If you're my friend, you will follow my commands. And, um, and so, it, I guess, in order to, and, and this is and this is my take on it. I'm sure I'll get lots to flock for it, but the, you, I can't feel like I'm living out the Great Commission if I, I don't know what the commands are, and I can't teach people to obey them if I don't know how I obey them. So that's the approach mm-hmm. we're taking with this this program that we put together, and it basically it's a it's a software program that um, we've created that has all of the commands of, of Christ in it. Um, and we that, and we created a, it's similar to a, a software program we've created for companies around leadership development and development of anybody in a company. We've created what we call a skill progression. And so it goes from zero to five and uh, zero means I, I don't know anything about this. And there were, and so I, as I was going through and looking at all the commands, like there was a lot of zeros. Like I didn't even know, I didn't even know what it meant. And so, um, and then the, the first level is, okay, I've, I have read it and I understand it, which is um, usually where most growth and development programs start and stop. There might be a, some multiple choice tests of, do you know, what this means. <clears throat> and I, and I think in my experience has been, that that's usually where it stops um, in the church environment. There's information we're supposed to understand it. And then um, magically the rest happens. We, but, and of course we know that that's not the case. Um, and so this next level, we've created this idea of what we call a personal practice, which just basically means here's how I live this thing out. 
Mm. And you need to wrestle with it. So, so we go through, um, we look at the verse or verses that are related to that command. Um, we'll uh, typically read a, a, a commentary or two around the command. And then we will, through prayer and through uh, doing our best to discern what we are being called to do in that area, we create what we call a personal practice. And um, then we get together as a group once a week and we just share with one another, here's here's what we have come up with for a pers- our personal practice around living out in this command. And so time that the progression goes from two to three, which is, you know, I've, I'm, you know, the, the first time you do something, you're always doing it poorly. That's just the way it is. And so there's this idea that you need, you know, once you do something, you need to keep repeating it in order for it to become both a habit, but also to, to do it well. And so that's the third level. The fourth level is you've continued, you know, when you're progressing in a skill, um, if you haven't changed how you do it, you probably haven't mastered it yet because as somebody who's mastered something will continuously tweak what they're doing. And then finally, the fifth stage is um, I've done all that, plus I'm willing and able to teach other people. And so as we've been going through it, what we've realized is that, you know, this is, you know, just to get to from zero to two on all of these commands over the space of a year would be, you know, it would take a lot of work and um, would, I don't want to use the word effort because that's one of the words that, you know, sparks, sparks the debate. But uh, I think, I think the, you know, your word uh, intentionality around it. Um, and I, you know, I've, um, the interesting thing that I found going through this process and everybody who's been with us on this process has found that um, you in fact can't do it on your own. And when you try to do it on your own, uh, you, you fail. And mm-hmm. in order to live these things out, you need to ask uh, for God's help. And so that, you know, and in, in when I unpack all that experience and I go back and I read it again, it all makes sense. Um, you ask, you ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God and um, like these, this way of living will and should bring you to your knees multiple times um, through the process. And uh, if you're committed to following Christ, like we've been asked to do, um, that the whole, the whole way he described what would happen, just and that is what happens. And so it, for me, it's been a remarkable experience. Um, it's, it's changed the way I view all of the interactions I have with people, um, in my, in my business dealings and my personal life. And, um, it is a process of transformation. I can't describe it any other way. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I love how God's worked in and through your life and, and how he's, he's really taken, you know, who you are, your experiences, your, your own personal growth, um, mentors he's brought into your life and everything else and has helped, helped you just continue to see, you know, just follow him and, and how your experiences and your skills are being used for the kingdom. Super, super exciting, Steve. Such a pleasure to have the opportunity to talk with you. But before we uh, wrap up, Steve, if, if pastors and ministry leaders who are listening in, if they wanted to learn more about the resources that you're creating, you know, specifically to help um, develop as leaders or to help people develop as disciples, uh, where, where can they find those resources? 
Yeah, and we'll we'll do this on the fly as we're talking. Um, you know, I'd love to offer the folks who are listening to this a free year of Read It For Me. So that's number one. Awesome. So uh, let, let's let's have it on the fly. Let's make up a URL and we'll, we'll make sure it's posted by the time you you air this. What what should we read it for? Dot me slash. What should we what should we make it? Uh, church leaders. Okay, so we'll go read it for dot me slash church leaders. So that's where they can go uh, find. Um, all about read it for me. We'll post uh, some stuff about the discipleship stuff that we've been doing on that page as well. And that's where they can go. Awesome. I love it. I wasn't expecting that, but very, very grateful. I'm sure our listeners are, are going to be very, very appreciative as well, Steve. So, um, and we'll have that link in the show notes is as well as some of the other things that Steve touched upon. So you guys can check those out um, at the show notes for this episode. Steve, man, it's been, again, such a pleasure to have you with us. Um, it's so exciting to see God at work in your life and, and the impact that you're making. And uh, we really appreciate all that you are doing for the kingdom, brother. Yeah, and you as well. It's, it's been great to get to know you a little bit over the, the past few months and grateful for all the work you do as well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. We hope you are finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we would appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcast so they can benefit as well. Thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or connect with me on Twitter. You can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app, available for both Apple and Android. So be sure to check out Faith Play. Until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.